This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our TGT podcast, our weekly show, in which I'm joined by a few guests to talk about the week's events surrounding Arsenal straight after the day after, in fact, every single time our weekend league match, in which we won, which is quite a nice change of events these days. I'm joined by some wonderful people, as you can see on your screen now. Uh, first off, we've got Wayne. How you doing, mate? Are you well? Yes, Tom. Good to be back again. I, I, uh, I arrive in sparingly, but it's always uh, it's always a pleasure, as you uh, as you'll um, agree. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would agree, a hundred percent. Also joined by Mike. How you doing, mate? Are you well? I am doing fantastically, as always. After a win, I mean, how could you not love life when you're you know when you look like this and uh, and we're in ninth place. We're back at the top half of the table. I can't complain. Can't complain at all. And finally, we're joined, of course, by French. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, man. Good. This is a um, new format. I feel like I'm in a Zoom meeting, kind of. But, uh, yeah, good to be yeah. back. And I feel like I'm in an acid trip, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I can't believe you all didn't turn up your own green screens. I'm a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I thought you might put a little bit more effort. The amount of times I've had you guys on the show and you can't even invest in your own green screens. I, can't, I just, you know, you know, I expect, I expect too much, clearly. <laughs> but no, thank you so much, uh, guys, for obviously tuning in. And you guys in the chat box, of course, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Mondays is a very hectic uh, Arsenal schedule for a lot of Arsenal shows that are on. So you've got plenty of content to make sure you're catching up on. And if you're catching up on us, welcome and uh, glad that you did so. Obviously, we are talking about a win, which is a great change to what we've usually seen over the last few weeks. French, coming back to you, mate, what was your raw reaction to the 3-0 victory over Sheffield United? Um, pleasantly surprised, not by the result, but more by some of the things I saw on the pitch. Um, it felt like a little pre-season-y in a way. Um, certainly the first half did. I think second half, Sheffield United picked up a lot, but not 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 in the just in the sense that you know it was kind of two teams who maybe didn't have that much to fight for in the league, but more in the sense that we were trying out new stuff, and uh, that was just nice to see. It was quite you know there was some nice link ups. I'm sure we'll talk about and uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed seeing some kind of fresh ideas and stuff. Um, I think there's a couple of ways you could you could like 
view all of that depending on your preconceptions of the manager but um I was yeah I was I was just happy to see some new stuff on the pitch and and get, see Martinelli getting a goal yeah we're definitely going to come on to talking about our boy Startinelli as you coined it Mike and I reappropriated that a hell of I, a lot on social media <laughs> I noticed that last night and I was actually wondering I was going to wait to see whether you gave me credit for it or not now now I actually did a check for it to see if I accidentally reappropriated it. and it was i was not the first there were other people but yeah. i didn't know i didn't know so you can't it's not plagiarism if you don't know right? exactly i mean i only found out that you used it about two minutes ago to be fair so uh <laughs> <laughs> but you were happy with the performance and the selection and seeing the brazilian start yes i mean absolutely i mean that my biggest worry was that he was going to come into the game, be ineffective, and then get hurt and cry his way off the, off the pitch. We almost saw that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I was thrilled about that. I was, I was geeked up for the, for the, for the kickoff and, and just to see this game. I mean, if there, if there was ever a game to get our confidence straight and ready for Thursday and beyond, it would be Sheffield United. Um, but you can only play the, the team that's in front of you. And, um, and and you know we've we've played down to the level of our opponents and been the rehabilitation team for a lot of teams in crisis and uh, you know AKA Liverpool and others uh, enough this season where you know we seem to think that we've got the game won before the opening kickoff and it was nice to see even in the first ten or fifteen minutes when the game was back and forth a bit that that we had the energy to come out and compete. Because if we had just done that against the teams in the bottom half of the table this season and not shit the bed like like uh, like we have so on so many different occasions, you know, we'd be in a lot better position than ninth right now. So uh, it's a bit too late. Some of those changes, like uh, like French said, even though I support the manager, I think he tends to have to be forced into doing things that are best for him. And then, you know, let's hope that he actually learns from it. Because what we saw yesterday, even without missing a bunch of key pieces, was a lot better than what we've been seeing lately. It really was. Uh, and, I mean, the performance overall from a lot of the guys in there, I mean, Partey has received quite a lot of stick from from some of the fan base or some of the recent displays. I, I think it's been a bit harsh, personally. Um, but it was a very, very good display. And, I mean, the pass for the, the third goal was, in particular, excellent as well, which we'll come on to as well. Wayne, you've been, obviously, we, we had a bit of a, a discussion on Twitter prior to the lineup, and and you were... Uh, critical of the manager's kind of lack, I suppose, of using more of the youngsters. What were your thoughts around his selection? Were you surprised that Martinelli started and, and happy with that fact? Yeah, but don't get me wrong. Like as I say, like the, the actual quote from Arteta was that he's not going to trust him in six or seven months. That wouldn't have been what I was really, you know, advocating of saying. To, I wouldn't have been saying, you know, stick in seven young lads. This is what we need. It's not I, what I what I was trying to say was I was trying to. Um, employ was that we had got other options young albeit yes younger players so we had got like martinelli being an option so i just couldn't understand why we have waited so long to use him when he's obviously been fit and ready to go for a few weeks now and we have persisted with an absolutely woeful Aubameyang for large portions of games that he never really looked like getting into and it kind of grinds on me sometimes when, like, I, I've, I'm giving Arteta every bit of rope I can possibly give him, hundred percent, and I'm prepared to even, I've said I'm prepared to write off this season because of it's just a funny season all, all round. Like Liverpool have lost nine games, no fans, 
uh, it's just a weird season. And but I would like to see a little bit more risks taken. And I suppose one of those risks was taken at the weekend. And I suppose we were vindicated in the end. We wanted Martinelli to start. We were streaming for it. We would have looked like fools if he went out and threw a stinker in. But from what we've all seen in Martinelli, like he's a he's such an active you know, Duracell bunny footballer. And that's sometimes what we need in a football in a, in, a, in a team that can look desperately slow and lethargic up front. We need that little bit of energy up front. And sometimes other players feed and bounce off his energy. And it's just, it's, it, sometimes it can be uh, contagious in a way. But yeah, I was delighted that he started. I'm just chuffed that he got his, got his goal because now we have a real, we have a real outlet now. We have a, a real, like kind of a plan B or a real second choice now. So he, like, he, he, could, he could go out on tours ahead of Aubameyang and still put a better shift in than Aubameyang. So it's a nice option to have. And I'm delighted that, Delighted that he got his goal, to be honest with you. And I'm delighted that we all who called for the younger players got a younger player and he done the business. So happy days. I love that Mike's trying to work out how to use a green screen without a green screen. <laughs> you think I can't see what you're doing? You're muted, by the way. You're going to need to unmute yourself. Um, I just realized that that was coming out over the air. <laughs> <laughs> you fade in and out of this 89 screen I'm just going to do that for the rest of the pod just make everybody sick to their stomach your face is like just gradually merging into an 89 no. yeah that, that's uh, I'm actually, that's actually on my face right now I have a little issue here with the uh, yeah. well, you have a slight bit of green on your face is that what you're saying yeah I'm, 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 just, I'm envious of, uh, of what West Ham is doing this season so Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to you, Mike, now and talking about kind of the performance overall. Sheffield United are a team in which we know have been pretty poor all season, it's fair to say, uh, and they are where they are for a reason. And I saw some people kind of saying, oh, it was only Sheffield United. And, and I saw a really funny tweet where it was basically saying it was a routine victory for Arsenal. And there was a lot of quotes of that saying, I don't think you've understand what routine and Arsenal are the same per- sentence has made. Has this person been in a coma since 2007? I mean, like... like <laughs> <doesn't know> what? <laughs> it just thinks that... It just boggles my mind sometimes when people just, <laughs> I think, take for granted when we can come up with a good performance and beat a side that we should beat, which has arguably been our problem this season is beating the teams that we should be and I think it was do you think that people maybe underestimated how important of a game it was especially going into Thursday well it's it's always an important game I mean any Premier League game is important uh Leeds just beat Manchester City now that isn't going to cost Manchester City anything in fact it probably will help them because uh you know they're they're not going to want to lose again this season and there's one game I certainly don't want them to lose uh coming up in a couple weeks but I mean the, the way we have performed against teams below us and that should normally, quote-unquote, in a normal year be below us, Villa, West Ham, the way the, the performances – I mean, the performance against Sheffield United at the Emirates was not particularly good in October, and they weren't even dead yet uh, at that point. Uh, so I guess, you know, it wasn't as, as glaring. But the ability for us to actually plan for a game – to see that the coach has a plan, even if he's without some of his tools, to see that the players actually want to play the game and take the game seriously, we haven't seen that uh, in a long time. We've seen players who can get who have been incredibly inspired for a game, North London Derby, uh, the, the Leicester game. They they came across that way. Uh, you know, we've seen it, uh, 
but we haven't just seen the routine let's get job done uh, against a team that we should beat. So yeah, it was extremely important. And you know, the last time we thought we had a run like this uh, where we could, you know, where we had a bunch of opponents that were below us, we got way less points than the, than the need be. The time before that was Unai Emery's collapse at the end of his first season that kept us out of the champions league. So um, Sheffield United was the team on the, uh, you know, on the schedule or on the schedule uh, for the last week and, and Fulham's the, the team on the schedule for next week. Let's go out and yeah. beat them too. That's all we can do. No, you can only take, you can only beat what's in front of you, as as many people say. And and it, it was for me something that I was disappointed at kind of people writing it off necessarily as a game. I, I saw Craig saying he was finding it hard to get up for, and I understand that because we have been so poor recently, and the result on Thursday was so deflating to concede that goal so late on. It, it is difficult to get up for a game like that where it looks like the league position is is a really tricky one. And and French, I do want to they ask. They certainly would have gotten. They certainly would have gone down on it. I mean, got, gone gotten down after the game if if we had lost so i mean you know let's enjoy a win and and you know because we would have been damn angry if we had lost and, and you know who wants to just play it both ways you got you, you got to be happy yeah you do have to be happy 100 percent. don't worry um, be happy <laughs> uh, there's a lot of comments in the chat uh, talking about Ceballos uh, French who I thought had a really good display Pedro says Ceballos in particular seemed to be playing at a Martinelli type speed and it spread through the team especially with his little tricks and flicks coming off for Lacazette's first goal of course Daniel Roberts says Ceballos drifting to the left really worked more because he had a lot of cover with Xhaka and Marie behind him what did you make of a player's kind of performance who has faced a hell of a lot of criticism from the fan base this season and, and not really gotten too many opportunities yeah, um, a lot of the time when he's played, he's been a lot deeper, hasn't he? He's sort of been a part of a double pivot or something. And the times when he's made the mistakes have usually been in those kind of capacities. And I think a lot of our frustrations with him as a player is um, sometimes he can do a little turn and do a little trick and not really go anywhere with it. Um, but I think it's you know partially to do with his deployment um, in terms of where he gets put on pitch. Uh, and in this game, his, his role was much more of a kind of eight to ten um, in that kind of left space. But actually, yeah, drifting in behind the striker and coming in centrally um, in the box, just outside the box and linking up. And I think in those kind of spaces, he's a lot more effective. Um, you know, there's some players where you say, like, you don't want them to have time to think on the ball. Um, Lacazette's maybe one of those kind of players where if he's instinctive in a small space, he can look fantastic. But if he's got a lot of time running in onto goal, well, we've seen what happened uh, on Thursday. Uh, and I think Sabas is a bit like that. And when you have him further back, he's got a lot of space and he seems to maybe want to do a bit too much. And then, you know, before you know it, three players are on him and he misplaces the pass and then it's all over. Whereas when he's higher up the pitch, he doesn't have the time. He doesn't have the liberty to do that sort of thing. So he just sort of does what comes naturally to him. And he's a good player. He's a skillful player. You know, he plays for Spain. So you can't do that if you're, if you're crap. And, in those kind of spaces, just nice little flicks. They come off because players are closer to you. And um, yes, yeah, so that's Lacazette up beautifully. He had a, had a lot of nice uh, nice positions in the game. Um, and just quickly as well, it's funny because I mentioned at the start, your interpretation of the game will kind of be like influenced by the lens by which you kind of already view the manager. And um, we've heard it already in, in uh, between Mike and Wayne in terms of the starting Martinelli. You know, Mike's happy to see him. And Wayne's like, why hasn't it happened earlier? And mm. I think they're both completely valid positions because um, for me, I had a similar kind of thing with seeing Pepe and Saka at the same time. Um, I thought it was brilliant to see at the start of the game. It looked really good. 
two fantastically skilled players, probably our two most skilled on the ball players. Uh, I've obviously got Odegaard now as well. And they look brilliant. And you can go, oh, that looks really nice. That's clever. Or you can go, why the hell has he not done that before? So, <laughs> <laughs> Which are they're completely fair points of view. So. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, and, and that's the same thing when you say, when people are like, oh, well, it's just Sheffield United. I don't necessarily think that's a fair thing to say, but it's probably because in large part, they might already have a perception of the manager and, you know, it, you can't really win. In the, you know, win 5-0, it's just Sheffield, you lose, and then it's the most important game of the season. So... Um, yeah, you could say you could say yeah, that's just Burton Albion, but that's there's a reason we don't play Burton Albion during the uh, during the Premier League season. So I yeah, mean, any Chelsea, Premier League team at this point can win. Sorry, Chelsea, I said yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. Chelsea might said it's just West Brom and they got five foot past them, so you can't really <laughs> and they look like they're going down as well. So you can't really you know. Um, well, not now. They've come away with a three nil win. Mainsley with a man of the match performance against uh, Southampton, who themselves look to be on the complete downhill now, which is crazy. Is he going to is 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 Al- is gonna do it? Aladici. Oh no! Yeah. If they manage to survive West Brom, that that will be the greatest escape of Premier League history, with, without a doubt. And it will all be because of not Sam Allardyce, but because of Ainsley Maitland-Niles and our boy Mainsley get doing that for them. He had a very... Uh, it looked for a second during the game that he might have had a horrific injury. Thankfully, he was okay. The stretcher was on the pitch. He was getting, oh, wow. like, taken through all the different things and stuff. But, yeah, he's, it turns out he was okay and he did finish the game in the end. But uh, he, he had a man-of-the-match performance and was given man-of-the-match by the pundits on Sky. So... Really good to see him performing well. Um, and it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens with him in the summer when he comes back. With Sabayos leaving, can he fill that spot? Maybe we'll have to wait and see. Wayne, I'm interested to get kind of your response, I suppose, to, to French's perspective of looking at you and Mike very differently in, in, in kind of thinking about why has he not done this sooner with Martinelli? And Mike kind of on the other end of the sketch was saying, yes, great, fantastic that we're seeing these guys start. Do you think that this is now, because I say that there's a difference, and I know that, Mike, you referenced in a way that Martinelli playing is a little bit kind of Arteta being forced into doing this, and he's stumbling upon these opportunities, and some people have highlighted Emil Smith-Rowe's inclusion. I personally disagree with that one, um, but Martinelli is definitely a case where you've got the likes of Erdogan, Smith-Rowe, Aubameyang, all not available, and it does make sense why Martinelli's come in now. So, Wayne, do you... Th- is there any way that you think that Arteta can get credit now moving forwards to continue playing Martinelli? Yeah, he he's going to have to continue playing him, especially if the kid scores and plays as well as he actually did. And then you have Aubameyang not really playing his best stuff. So, like, it's a no-brainer for, for an armchair fan sitting there going, play the player who's playing well. Now, if he turns around on Thursday puts Aubameyang back in, puts Martinelli on the bench and we go and lose the game. What's going what's gonna to be the reaction there from people? Yeah. And the problem is, is that he has done that with players like Willian, where Smith Rowe had come in prior to Christmas, pre-Christmas. Come Pepe in. as well. Pepe as well. Pepe has produced some incredible numbers for the amount of limited minutes he's really got. But that, that aside, say pre-Christmas, we had Smith Rowe kind of, you know, hovering around the team and he'd come on and we'd, we'd all have a ton of thought and say, geez, he's got 10 minutes, he looked really well, there was a nice link up there. Willian, another shocker. Next week, Willian's back in again. And then we put in another stinker. Next week, it's back in again. Groundhog Day. This Thursday is kind of... I, I don't know. I, 
you know, you, you know what I'm saying? This tour season is mm. it's make or break really for what we're expecting from Arteta. Really, Massive. if he has the, if he has the balls to drop somebody like Aubameyang because he's been playing poorly, leave him out and say this kid deserves his chance. I know who would have given him his chance. Wenger would have given him his chance, and he would have played him. And that's just the difference in I think in the two managers. Okay, Arteta might be more, you know, in tune with the with the modern game, and over time he will turn out to be a good manager and all that. But I just think some of the decisions that he's making uh, shoot himself in the foot a little bit, and I'd be worried that he's going to bench Martinelli again this week. That's I I, I have a feeling he's going to bench him this week and put Aubameyang in, and just. I know we were we were hovering around the idea about Sheffield United. This, uh, Slavia Prague were worse than Sheffield United. They were genuinely worse than Sheffield. They were. I, I said it during the match that this is a this is a mid level championship team. So to expect <laughs> anything from Arsenal, right? To expect anything from Arsenal, right? Is at this point in time, it, where we sit now is it's just not it's not what we should be thinking. We we basically are tossing a coin at the start of a game as to what Arsenal's going to turn up. And we can't get a run together of three or four games. What happens on Thursday is literally in the lap of the gods at this point. I, I genuinely don't know what sort of mm. what team is going to turn I'm up. I'm petrified, on. mate. I'm petrified. You know what I mean? It's a very funny, <laughs> funny way to be. And you'd like to think that one result, a 3-0 away from home against a dodgy team over the year for us, away from home, Sheffield United, would be, yes, what we're... we're that's that that should be enough to kick us on now. A nice little four or five game run now, rack up a few. Okay, but we could go and get beaten on Thursday night so quickly and then lose again on Saturday. Uh, it's, it's a it's a funny like all we can do is just go, go week to week and literally just cross your fingers, like because we don't know what to expect. Sabayas is another example there, has a great game the other, um, had a great game, yes, uh, on yeah, yesterday, but like. You couldn't sit there and put your hand on your heart and say that that guy's going to produce the same level even on Thursday. He could produce a level that, you know, he wouldn't get into a reserve team. You know that kind of way. So uh, he's very, he's a very hit and miss kind of a footballer. But I think maybe the left-hand side of midfield suited him better than that deep role that he kind of tries to take off Shaka sometimes when he plays and dribble out deep. Although he's done it well against Man City, but he genuinely, he generally he doesn't. So maybe he's trying to find... And maybe Arteta's stumbling over these positions for players because of lack of availability where you say, geez, he actually done well on the left. Maybe I'll stick him there next time and leave him there rather than trying to persevere with him in a deep line role where the guy picks the ball up off the keeper and constantly puts us in trouble all the time. So I don't know what, what to expect this Thursday, but I, I genuinely wouldn't be getting overhyped about the 3-0 win. I'm happy about it, don't get me wrong. Mm. But, you know, it's going to tell... We need to rack this up for four or five weeks on the skip here. For me to actually think that, all right, well, you know, we maybe we have torn the corner here, because we're just getting, we're, we're two steps forward, one steps back, or, or one forward, two back, more so this year than anything. That's that's so that's where we're at. I think I think that what you're saying there about kind of the the, the string of performances is what's been really lacking from Arsenal is that consistency has just been in a box under the bed and not been taken out all season. We haven't been able yeah. to put together a run. At, and that's really hurt. I think there's, I think there's reasons behind some of it. I think that Arteta's inexperience has cost us with some of his selections about getting a run. I think injuries to key players have cost us getting runs in big games. I think there's been opportunities in in, in games that have gone against us regarding officiating. Like, I feel like if we win that game against Wolves all the way back 
months ago, things could have been very different based upon the performance we put in the first half. And, and that really, I think, is a mental kind of hit and a jab to the team, really not just for six. And we then went into the Aston Villa game, made a mistake in the first five minutes and couldn't get back into it. And I just, just things just haven't kind of gone our way necessarily in those matches when I was hoping that maybe we could put a run together. We've got a chance now. Yeah, that Wolves game, I'd 100% agree on that. That was a real, as you say, a mental hit. I think that they kind of just went, oh, we're trying everything here and we just still can't win. Mm. And we were trying everything to try and to do that and, and the Villa game and then the Burnley game away from home when we drew 1-1 and we shot ourselves in the foot with the goal that we conceded. There's been so many games this season where you turn around and go, and we could have won that. I mean, the Olympiacos, when we lost at home, the big chances, I mean, even Slavia on Thursday, in my mind, we could have won that 3-4-0 with the chances that we created because there yeah, were yeah. some really clear-cut opportunities that we missed in that game, Lacazette twice, Abamyang, Pepe scored his. Uh, there was another chance in there as well. Saka, the one that was deemed offside, but actually VAR would have ruled it onside had he have scored it. Huge chances. How many games have we had this season where you could say we didn't deserve to win that game? I mean, we haven't won that many games, but I mean, like you're, you're talking about rightfully so all of the situations where it's like you know <laughs> we 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 drop points there. We we either you know. Penalty call against uh, David Luiz against Wolves, you know the the early goal, the, the mental lapses. But how many games have we won where it was like we we should not have won that game? None I, that I can think of. So yeah, every yeah. win, I feel like we deserve to win. Every every win's been you know a convince not convincing necessarily, but a win that 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 was a good performance. So many of our losses and draws have been you know if not but for. And obviously, you know, over a long period of time, you have to look at circumstances other than luck and mental lapses and stuff. But if you're looking at the state of the health of a team uh, and whether their future is bright or whether it's dark, uh, you know, you tend to look at losses and draws that shouldn't have happened versus wins that shouldn't have happened. And, you know, the law of averages kind of has to equal out at some point. So, Mike, what does that mean? If the games that you're winning, you deserve to win and because we, we performed well, and then we, we look across the games that we dropped points in and you'd say a lot of them, we deserve to get more from those. The first half of the season was deplorable. We deserved a lot of the lost points that we did. It was awful. But this second half of the season, maybe even two-thirds of the second, uh, kind of second two-thirds of the season, since Boxing Day especially, we've looked better and the form table shows that we've, we've been better in comparison to our rivals. But do you think there's an element of towards the end of this season like we've dropped points against Liverpool, a very good Liverpool performance like I know we offered it to them on a plate effectively but they still perform well when they needed to but that first half first thirds to to a half of the season where we dropped so many points that has ultimately been the anchor that's dragged our season to the floor and we haven't really been able to recover from yeah but I mean of course you can't you can't I mean, I know that Boxing Day isn't the midpoint of this of this season like it normally would be uh, because mm. of the altered schedule, but um, you can't get to Boxing Day 15th and deservedly 15th uh, without it being an anchor that's going to drop you. But ironically, it's since we started playing better overall since Boxing Day, where I think that the you know the the table the form table since Boxing Day has us either in third or fourth in the Premier League at this point. And that's with maybe 11 or 12 points that were dropped that shouldn't have been. And, you know, the Wolves game is the classic example of that. 
those 45 minutes before the 46th minute of the first half were, I'd say, even better than we played against Spurs, against against uh, uh, Leicester That's City. Th- that was the best half of football we've played in, in a long, long time. And we didn't make enough of it, and then somehow we draw. You know, we we lost the game because we mentally fell apart after some some rough decisions went against us. Um, and the the hangover for Aston Villa is something that a team with experience shouldn't experience. But you know, we are third and fourth in the in the form table, even with those losses that that could have easily gone either way. So again, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to you know reconstruct a narrative to where we're better team than ninth in the table because. That would be ignoring those first fifteen or sixteen games of the season when we were deservedly, you know, putting up awful, awful, awful performances. Uh, but you know, again, I'm about momentum and where we're headed, and pointing to the fact that we're ninth, tenth, eleventh in the table, and disregarding the improvement that we've had over the course of that season uh, is generally narrative driven. And, uh, you know, again, this, se- this season's a loss. We can still make something out of it. Last season was a loss, and we made something out of it with the FA Cup mm-hmm. final. Um, we still got the chance this season. And if we should end up eighth with no, with no trophies and no Europe, um, I still see positives that for next season. I don't consider this season a positive, mm-hmm. but I see positives that would get me excited about next season, especially with a summer where a lot of things could happen. The only positive I take from this season is if it's, it is a hypothetical, and I know that I don't really want to talk too much about hypotheticals, but it can it can be a, a turning point. It, it could be a turning point season where maybe, and it is pure blind faith that people above wake up and realize what needs to change and what needs to happen this summer for us to get back to where we want to be. And the fact that we anything. seem to, and the fact that we seem to have gotten a little bit better and more cutthroat when it comes to clearing out dead wood and 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 bad mm. influences from the team. Um, we'll see what happens with a bombing hang, but, uh, yeah. you know, the, the one shining thing out of this season, and it was the, the, the thing that made the January transfer window, even without Odegaard coming in a success for me was, you know, addition by subtraction. And that's, that's going to be the, the name of the DVD of this season is going to be addition by subtraction. Or as Wayne uh, says, one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> well, yeah, you can, <laughs> That'll be the bonus disc on the DVD. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the B side of for old people. Oh, dearie me, dearie me. Uh, th- th- there is, I think, positives that we'll take at the end of the season. I think that there is still a lot of football still to be played and a lot will come down to Thursday and, and how and what happens on Thursday. As I said earlier, I'm absolutely petrified about Thursday's game and, and what... It, I just feel like if we lose that game and we're out, the season is just so dead. Like, from that point, it's just so... It's going to be so painful watching the last few weeks of the season. It really, really is... Um, there is the Premier League's a weird beast at the moment this year. I mean, even with the position that we've been in after losing 12 games in the league this season, miraculously, it's still not impossible for us to, to get something from it with the games that are remaining, which seems absolutely ridiculous considering the start that we had. And it is going to rely on things out of our hands changing. But if there's one thing this season has taught you is that if you focus on yourself and you keep getting good results, the other teams have, a, have a quite a nasty, a nasty mean streak of messing things up themselves and, and dropping points every single week. So we'll have to see how things change. Um, French, moving on to kind of 
the, uh, the overall feeling about this and some of the other performances in the game and the weird kind of positions that we could look to see players in on Thursday. Granite Xhaka was moved into a left-back role with, of course, Tierney now being confirmed to be missing for the rest of the season, which is gutting. But what is positive is that he had a really, really good display at left-back and was defensively solid. And it enabled, I thought, Ceballos to play a much more freer role on that left-hand side. And whoever plays left central midfield if Xhaka is going to play there on Thursday and whoever's at left wing as well will have a lot more defensive security behind them than say having Kieran Tierney there for instance um I I, I had a bit of a debate with this with my mate because um he wasn't happy with seeing Xhaka at left back and again I do think this is another thing where if you've got these uh these ideas of of the manager of the situation we're in already it might affect that but for me um yeah he was he was was very solid there um there was one bit which was kind of funny because we know what he offers there, right? Uh, we know what he can do and what he can't do. And what he's not going to do is overlap um, and, and fly down that left. Um, and there was a point where he was sort of standing in that, uh, you know, right out on that left channel. And he was kind of gesticulating for a left back to come and overlap him. And then he sort of remembered, oh, I'm the left back and no one's going to come here because Saka's over there running around the box. And, Okay, let me go back inside. And that was quite funny to watch. But I, I think he, he did very well in that position. I was really happy to see him there, to be honest. Um, and I would I want him there on Thursday. Um, I just wanted to comment as well on, on what, what Mike was saying there in terms of criticism mm. manager, because I've thought about this quite a lot recently. And um I've I've been on record like quite a few times on this podcast, you know, being in strong support of Arteta. Um, and actually, you know, earlier on in the season being a bit tongue in cheek, but it's it kind of uh <laughs> dismissing any kinds of questions of, of whether or not he's the right man to lead us as you know just way too early in the season and and I do think at that time it was too early because we've seen a lot of change since then um however I do think there are some criticisms of him um that are extremely valid and um I think you there's there's a there's a valid stance that you can have in terms of not thinking he's the right man to take us forward um and so the way I break it down is that I think Mike addressed a third of the argument which is about results um, and I think he pretty much covered that, you know, in the two halves of the season. And the only question then is how long can we wait for the results to become consistent? Uh, which for me, I think we've got to give him at least another window and, and a little bit more time to see what happens there. Um, but the other two things I think you can make valid criticism, criticisms of him on are his use of um, resources um, and his man management. Uh, and the the man management, I mean, we've had some things come to light more recently with obviously with Obama Yang and, you know, the way he kind of came out and said what he said in the media. And it looked great on the day because we won the game uh, and it's over. And but actually doesn't really look like it's over. And he's not just until that game, he was scoring goals for an, us looking great at the number nine. Since then, he's not really come back. And you want maybe it is just form and it's coincidence, but um, it's, you know, it, it's something that can be leveled. And I think... Um, the kind of comes also into like use of resources in terms of him being our highest paid player, one of the highest paid players in the league. And we've just got one off the books that we had a bit of a standoff with. Um, and it doesn't really make sense to kind of enter into another one. So it's a situation to be kind of delicate with. Um, another thing with resources is the argument around Martinelli um, in being a young, young upcoming talent. He's the future of the club. Um, and you could argue that Willian gets minutes over him. Uh, Wayne argued that Aubameyang gets minutes over him. I mean, I personally think, it, I, I, I see that it's hard to get them both in, but certainly Willian um, starting over another £72 million player who's another huge asset of the club. You think even if we're going to sell Pepe, it's still very important to us that we 
maintain his value in some sense. And I think he's still a good player. He can still be useful to us and still um, perform for us. So I think in terms of his use of our assets and in terms of the use of resources, there's some criticisms that you can make. And then the defence there is he's learning, right? He's new to this. He was never going to get it all in one go. And he came in as a coach and we've made him manager. So did we maybe ask a bit too much of him? But then the, the comeback, which I think is the valid stance that you can have for not thinking he's the right man, is that is you know Arsenal is probably too big of a club to have someone learning on the job. Mm. And this is where the problem is for me, because no matter how true that might be, we still kind of need him to be the right man, <laughs> because ultimately we don't trust our owners to get the best available manager, you know, to get a Nagelsmann, to get a Ten Hag, we don't think they're capable of doing that. And so to have a, an exciting, we know he's a good coach. There are some questions around his man management, but to have a, someone like Arteta who knows about the club, cares about the club, you know, has a remit that's bigger than just coaching the first team as this whole thing about culture, we really kind of need it to work out. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really complicated situation, but I, I, I think, there is, I think you can have a valid stance for saying he's not the right man to take us forward. And I think that's basically it. Yeah, I think there's a good argument for both sides of the coin, to be honest. And, and I've had sympathy for the, it's not been a case of like now saying, I can't understand why you can want Arteta out. For me, I'm not like, it's very much a case of, I completely get if you want us to change manager because what you expect and where we would want Arsenal to be, we're way off that right now. And, and, and that's a valid reason to, to want to move on. I'm personally inclined to in a way agree with what you're saying there French about how we need him to be the right coach because I don't trust the owners to put in a a better manager or someone that would do a better job right now and from the positives that I've seen the changes that he's bringing you talked about culture something that we've lacked for a long time but even within that he's made mistakes with certain things that maybe gone against those principles with the likes of Willian and, and then Aubameyang but things are changing there too the players that he's signing that we see him bringing in the summer hopefully that trend and that turnaround of bringing in players that actually improve the starting 11 when we spend money on them that hopefully will continue into the summer but this summer now is is something where previously you might have looked at the players that I think a lot of people are going to ask for and say that's not realistic and my answer to that is now going to be, look, last season, season before that, I would agree with you. Yeah, it's not realistic. The thing is now, it's what we need. It's, it's the necessity. It's, it's what we have to do this summer is do the unrealistic because that's the only way that we improve this squad enough to get it back to where it needs to be because our, our rivals aren't just going to stop spending money and stop signing players to allow us to catch up. So we need to catch up with them by doing what those guys are doing, which is something that's not we haven't done, unfortunately. Um, Wayne, kind of coming full circle to, to other kind of players on the pitch that have received a fair bit of stick over the last couple of weeks, but again, had a really good display. Thomas Partey was an amazing performance, I thought, from him. The pass of the final goal was unbelievable, the vision of that pass. And I think that actually some of the biggest criticisms of him this season have been that he's lost the ball in areas. And I think it's because he tries to play passes like that a lot of the time when maybe there's a simpler option, a safer option, but he's desperate to try and get us moving forwards and into dangerous positions. And because of that, when he does those passes, he often hasn't necessarily got the, the space or the time or the, the, the accuracy on the pass to make it. But I thought he was excellent. And hopefully we can now see a kind of a string of results similar to how we want Arsenal to be, but with Partey at the centre of that. The only thing, uh, the only criticism I would have apparently recently um, would just be, he gets a little bit too casual on the ball sometimes in areas that you wouldn't like him to be too casual on the ball in. You know, like, 
25, 30 yards out, like trying a little drop of the shoulder and then getting dispossessed. But that's that's the way he plays. And if he tries that 10 times, he gets away with it eight to nine times. But we always seem to remember the one, of course, that's the way it is. I, I, ha- I, 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 wouldn't, I couldn't say he's been, even though he hasn't played as much, he's been the highlight of the season for me because I just think he's just a, an absolute Rolls Royce footballer. And like, slowly but surely he's trying he's getting getting you know kind of to grips with the premier league and and getting to grips with the with the with the players that we have maybe not the, maybe he's not used to the kind of the the standard of player that he's been used to for the last few years and he's had to come down come down to our level a little bit and maybe that's been why he's been struggling a couple of uh, last couple of weeks but um look you're always going to get players getting uh, having a bad game here or there. It's the way it is. But Thomas Partey has been um, he's been exceptionally good um, since he started in a very very poor, by and large a poor a poor squad really. Um, and uh, there's no other way of really putting it. We're not a great squad uh, of, of footballers. We have some good players, but we need to we need to make uh, make changes that will bring out another level in party that we probably haven't even seen yet you know the kind of way so we need to as as you said tom we need to be expecting the unrealistic to happen this summer in the transfer market to take advantage of a player like party because we're not taking advantage of him at the moment what we're doing is we're relying on him to bail us out really and that's that's not really why you you, you have players like that you, you know he's He's not a fail-safe player. He, you know, he is there to do that job when you need him. But you, you can't rely on that type of um, of of uh, approach every single week. He uh, and like he's capable of putting in passes like that one to let. Like that pass was so so crisp, so clear. Lacazette didn't even have to take a touch. It landed, and he was able to run, 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 set himself one touch bang. Mm. I mean, if we have party playing, you know, with that level of comfort and being able to. You know, have that space. I mean, albeit we were two 0 up, but not not too long left in the match. But he's he's not. He we haven't got to the bottom of him this season. We've seen glimpses of what he can do, but we haven't got to the bottom of him. And for us to get a player that we would like to see being spoke of in you know PFA Footballer of the Year, and the, you know that's the type of level we expect and want to see him get to for Arsenal because we know then that we're a good team if we have him playing at that level but he's getting too exposed any any weakness he has is getting exposed in this team and people are too quick to jump on it because they expect too much of one man in this really poor squad so I think next year is the year where we're going to see the best of him because please God we put the the foundations in place around him that doesn't expose him all the time and allows him to flourish as a footballer in the Premier League with a season under his belt because uh, otherwise, if if we're relying on him to just keep bailing us out, you know what's going to happen. You, you, you lose confidence. Results will be poor. The player will get poor. His mind will go. Everything will just drop. We need to be going the other direction. And that's down to the boys, Edu, Arteta this summer. If they don't get it right, we're going to see party just going that way, not mm. this way. We're going to see him going down. And it's a, it's a shame. But I pray that they do what you say, Tom, and... I pray that we get the unrealistic done this summer. Something that we don't expect and we don't as Arsenal fans we've been hearts broken every summer and we don't we don't see the unrealistic done except for the odd the odd 
Ozil one here or there, but by and large, as you say, Tom, as well, our opponents aren't going to not stop spending. So we have to be realistic and say we got to invest. It's speculate to accumulate time, baby. There are so many other performances beyond, obviously, Partey that, that really kind of uh, impressed a lot of us. And I think that when you look at Partey's performances in comparison to some of his teammates across the season, he has outshone 99% of those other guys on the pitch for me on most of those games when he's played. And it's only been a few games this season where I've really gone on. I'm a little bit disappointed with that. But I think most of those have come very recently. And recency bias, I think, has maybe skewed the views I think of that are published more recently, which has become frustrating because I think the people have completely forgot. Someone tweeted me today saying, name me, name me more than the Man United game where Partey has played well. And I was like, I didn't even dignify it with a response because I, I was like, just it, it's not about just turning up in the big games because Arsenal struggled this season by because we haven't turned up in the games against other smaller sides of teams that we expect to be. And, and he is going to be a difference maker in the long term for us, which is really frustrating. Um, obviously, we, we did have an injury during the game, which we are hoping is not going to be too serious. And it was to our third choice, number 10, as he can now be described, which is Bukayo Saka, um, that was kind of skewed into this position because, of course, we're without Smith Rowe, without Martin Odegaard as well. Do you think, Mike, this is, if he is obviously fit and can play, do you think number 10 is a possible role that Saka can fulfill? Or are you expecting him still and are you wanting him still to be much more of a wide player for us? I think number one, number four, uh, those are roles that Bukayo Saka could fill. I mean, what role can he not fill at this point? Uh, we talked about this a little bit on our open mic show yesterday, but like, you know, there have been what we call here in the States utility players. I think that that phrase is starting to catch on a little bit. Um, but, you know, players who can play two, three, four positions and play them well enough. Uh, Mainsley being kind of, you know, and, Ch and Chambo being the kind of prototypes in the modern era for Arsenal of players who want to do one thing, but they're really needed elsewhere and they kind of grumble about it and eventually they get moved on. Um, you know, we've seen a couple of people in that position. Chambers is, is another one. I think a, a perfectly good utility player who can play and play well enough in two, maybe even three positions. Cedric, uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to be, you know, playing in the number ten or striker anytime soon, but uh, he can play either side. Uh, Saka, though, we talked. You know, do you think he wants? To, I'm, hypothetically, do you think he wants to be played in all these different positions? He's happy to be, or he is begrudgingly doing it. I, I, I think he's perfectly happy. He's like a Mainsley, except he's thrilled to do it and excels and puts in sevens and eights and nines every time that he's in those positions. Um, would I play him at the 10 over a healthy Saka or Odegaard? No. Uh, but I'm perfectly confident in his capabilities of doing it if if we need rotation. And, and you know, if, if moving Saka to the 10 allows us to bring in Martinelli because we have to play Pepe because he's so, un, you know, he's unplayable, uh, by all means, we have the luxury of being able to move things around up, uh, up top like that if he has to play left back which i think we all thought he was going to be yesterday until we saw uh Xhaka's positioning as the game got going um can he do that sure do i want him doing that no but do i want <laughs> Kolasinac <laughs> coming back and joining the team and being Tierney's backup no so you know look he, he's he's a luxury to have right now and wherever he is on the team sheet 
I back him to put in a good performance. I, I just think he's when people kind of put to me, they're like, would you take a hundred million pounds for, for Saka right now? And it's, it's an easy answer for me to say no, because I don't trust the, the club to spend that hundred million pounds effectively. I mean, if I was Liverpool or city and I was being offered a hundred million, then I might be more inclined because they spend their money exceptionally well and on players that make a difference in the team. But my, my son reminded me that they bought Nathan Ake yesterday. I'm like, I, I mean, that's one of their rare misses at least, at least that's how they've used him this season. Part injury, but part, I mean, he's just, 40 million pound transfer fee sitting on the bench. But they can afford to spend so they 40 can. million yep. yeah, on, a, on a backup because they've got Diaz and Laporte and they've got all these guys that just can just play ahead of him. John Stones has come back and been excellent for them this season. And they've spent 40 million quid on Ake, a Dutch international player that was really good for Bournemouth. And I think Chelsea... Oh, I really wanted him. I wanted him at Arsenal, but... yeah. You know. It's just, I, I would, I'm maybe not for 40 million. I'd, like, no, no, but, but, Arsenal, but not yeah. doing what, not doing wonders for his, you know, he's made a Scott Sinclair type move apparently where, you know, where mm. a little too much too soon. Um, not his fault. He's getting paid. Oh yeah. There's so many players. We go down the list of players that have moved to big clubs and then just, it's just not is worked there, out for them. Is Saka going to be available for tours? Do we, know? we don't know. We don't know yet. That, that, that's, that's the big, big worry. I think if he's available, he plays left full. I don't think um, Shaka will play left full. I think if Saka gets him out the all clear, I think he'll oh, play left. We've still got Cedric. I mean, Cedric can play on the left, and and you know Chambers can play on the right. I I, I kind of see him using Bellerin as he tends to do in Europe for whatever reason. But you know, it's not Jaka or Saka. You know, as Tierney's direct replacement, it should be Cedric. Um, the fact that we were, you know, that, that Cedric rested and we played Jaka there, I think has more to do with who our opponent was on, on Sunday than what the general preference of the manager would be. Yeah, Shaka um, was a real, um, he was real Paolo Ferreira, wasn't he? Just don't go over that halfway line, son. You stay there. <laughs> As a Mourinho, you Paolo Ferreira back in the day. You don't go past that halfway line. You stay there. I don't want any overlapping. We don't concede. We don't concede. This doesn't fit now. Did you guys not see the, the pictures of Cedric under absolutely no pressure when he passed backwards that led to the corner that led to the goal? Have you guys not seen those? What, again, what yeah, the I mean, game against Slavia Prague? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The screen except Cedric and then he can see to pass it backwards at the end of a game where the last thing we need is pressure. I do not want him playing left back again. You know what, before the game, and I, you know, it might just be that I'm traumatized by that one incident, maybe I'm overreacting, because before the game I said, yeah, you know what, he's made a reasonable impersonation of left back, especially behind a Pepe, where they've got opposite foot so they can... Oh. I mean, G G Gabriel's done that this year. I mean, every, everyone's done that this year, so I mean... I, no, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I, I still near him, Mike. There was no one even close to near him. I know. I know. Under some pressure, like he had to make a decision. This man was, uh it, but yeah, it, maybe you're right. I, 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 I like the uh, like Wayne said. Just stay, hold your position, stay back. Uh, maybe we overload on the right, and the left is a little bit more secure. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. But boy, yeah, I guess it's the right place. Oh no. <laughs> but um, well, and then there's Joe Lopez. <laughs> Let, let's let's 
I'm fine but, with that. No, you, you'd be fine putting Joe Lopez in at the most important game of the season for his first foot there. Lopez can um, make a mistake, cost him the under 23s a goal tonight. So, okay. In the semi final at this stage, you know. Rubbish him then. If he, if, if he made a mistake for the U23s, I don't ever want to see him play for Arsenal again. Yeah. <laughs> well, he Lees, yeah. It's obviously we we are a little bit limited in regards to the options uh, that we've got. We've, it's so funny. I remember there was a few weeks back there was a, a thing put on the Arsenal website saying Arsenal have no injury problems and look how quickly things change and all of a sudden we've got no natural number 10 and we've got no left back for the rest of the season. It's, yeah, we speak too soon and get excited too quickly and, and things can change and that's why when I look back on January and how absolutely buzzing I was with how good January I thought was, but it turns out that not getting in a backup left back has really, really cost us this season towards the end of it. And, and not just getting a Van Arnholt on loan or not even just getting in someone for six months that could do a job that was somewhere else that was a natural player in that position could end up really, really costing us. Uh, Yonick says, can't we just go and get Cohen Bramble back until the end of the season? <laughs> just bring him back into the fold. Deary me. Yeah. And by the way, the, the under 23s, I've just one three two with Balogun scoring. So you know, Balogun next season is is something that you know it's it's exciting yeah, to know that we could be getting him. I'm sure we'll have some questions on him in in the uh, user questions section a little bit later on, Mike, which I'm looking forward to. Um, Fred, what a just great before, name you've given it. I know. I just I'm coming up with these Startinelli user questions. I just, honestly, I just uh, they just come to me. They just come to me. Um, but I'll, I'll credit <laughs> you with Mainsley though, because I I, I I witnessed that. So you you're you the Mainsley guy. That. <laughs> we told the story of Mainsley. That's uh, yeah, absolutely coined the phrase. Deary me. Um, French, we'll come to you for the last kind of topic before we do go on to user questions. So if you do have one uh, in the chat box, guys, and you want the guys to answer it, then please do throw them into the chat box now, and we'll go through as many of them as feasibly possible. Um, French, the last guy that I want to give a mention to is the guy that scored two goals, and yet we've not talked about him at all this evening. <laughs> that was Alexandre Lacazette. Um, absolutely torrid time on Thursday. Missed some massive chances. This can only do him good, can only give him that confidence. Yes, he was kind of given these opportunities on an absolute plate with two great passes from Sabahis and Partey, but he still had to take those chances, and he did. And I thought he had an overall good game by bringing other players into the game as well. And going into that game Thursday, it's good to give him the boost that he definitely needed. Yeah, Lacazette's a player I really like, man. Like, no matter how much I, I do personally think that it's probably a, a case of, you know, when he puts in good performances, I tend to think. Is he playing for for a move away or, you know, I don't know. I feel like maybe that kind of his Arsenal career is probably coming to its end with the contract we gave Aubameyang and then you got your Balogans and Martinelli's. But just to see him like scoring goals and, and just being overjoyed by it is, is always great. He's got a great passion, always a great celebration with Lacazette as well. Little dancer, a knee slide or, you know, uh, <laughs> did little drug arms this time, didn't he? But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great to see him get on the end of stuff. And, Against Prague, he had it was it was kind of a similar performance in terms of everything but the end product. Like he was he was working hard against Slavia Prague. I don't think it was his type of game. Um, I do think we would have probably benefited from having people who are more capable of running in behind because the space was there. And as soon as people came on who could run in behind, we looked even better than well, we didn't look great, great before that, but we looked good. <laughs> we looked good as soon as they came on. Um, and uh, 
But nevertheless, I think he did work hard. And I do think he's a bit of a player that gets kind of a, a hard, you know, end of the of this, the bargain or whatever. Like he's he gets a harsh treatment by um by a lot of people because we've got another star striker who they people think is, you know, more clinical and want to see start, which you know, everyone's got their favorites and that that's how it goes. But um yeah, I've what's he got now? Like, is it thirteen league goals? Premier League. Yeah, goals? I think it's thirteen. Yeah, I saw a yeah. statistic the other day that I think he is like fifth in the whole like table of top scorers this season in terms of xG and and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's he uh, he's, he's deceivingly kind of better than people maybe giving credit for. Yeah, exactly, and um, and that's again considering he's sharing his minutes with Aubameyang. To a degree so um yeah I, I think um we need him obviously in good form i don't want to see him starting with abamyang i think it's one or the other for me um i don't like the thing of having abamyang out left anymore i'm kind of over that uh but i for me i, I to be honest I don't know what's going on with Aubameyang. I don't know. Obviously, so they said he was ill. If he's back for the game, I probably start the players with the pace who can get in behind them. Um, but yeah, just to have Lacazette as an available option to come off and having him form is great. And, and now he's got some confidence. Um, you see a bit more of what he he's good at doing. Um, you know, he didn't have time on that ball, as, as was mentioned. He literally didn't touch it until he took the shot. Uh, mm. He just ran and just did the first thing because it was in the right place. Same with the the first goal that he scored when Sabahos put that little back heel into him, there was nothing else for him to do. Uh, and he took it brilliantly well. And um, yeah, I think in those little spaces with those kind of, uh, you know, skillful players around him, he can he can combine with them very well in a way that Bamiyang doesn't. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we see the best of him. So I, I, I don't want to see him start, but if he does, then I, I'm glad he's in this kind of form. Uh, I found the statistic I was on about. So Lacazette has the third best. Uh, this was thanks to Ansgar, who sent me this tweet, um, that uh, has third best min to goal ratio from the top 10 Premier League strikers this season. Salah has 133 uh, minutes per goal. Kane, 134. And Lacazette's on 139. He's third, which is incredible when you think about it. And maybe... Uh, but the thing is, we would say that he's not got more minutes because... The minutes that he's he's got obviously played in, some of those have been really poor and he's been dropped because of that. So he's played less minutes because of some poor performances. So it's a weird balance that when he he basically just has these these moments of hot and cold, and we just need him to hit those those areas where he is going to be hotter and and on form and scoring goals. And hopefully that continues on to to Thursday as we kind of segue and we go full circle. And what we we're talking about with Wayne earlier on at the start of the show was the fact that we really haven't had consistency. And that goes for not just the whole team, but Lacazette specifically has just not had consistency this season. Anyway, we move on to the final portion of the show, which is, of course, time for you guys to ask your questions to the guys. So if you haven't already put them into the chat box, start thinking them up, and we'll go through as many of them as feasibly possible. Mike, starting with you. Uh, Daniel Roberts says, long-term prediction, what kind of teams do you see Nketiah, Willock, and Nelson playing for in eight years' time? Vanarama National League. Um... <laughs> Other teams, um, you know, one out of the three of them will probably be playing in the Premier League. The other two uh, probably either abroad or in the championship. Uh, yeah, that's my answer. Try to keep it going quickly. I'll, I won't expand on that. Well, fair enough. Uh, David or Football Lamar. teams would have been my other answer. <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. Um, do you think the Lonies have any chance of returning? Loving the new setup, by the way. Wayne, what do you think about that one? So you've got the likes of Mavropanos, you've got um, Saliba, you've got Willock, you've got, trying to think who else is out on loan, Torreira, who, again, Doozy. Who's Maybe. coming back? Premier League, lads. 
definitely not. Um, Saliba's obviously going to come back in because he's uh, he's planned for the future. Um, Guendouzi, I don't see him coming back in. I think if they get a, get a, get the right number for him, they'll let him go. But Saliba, I think, is the only one. Mavropronos, I think they'll sell. I don't think I don't think he even though he looks decent, I don't think he has a real future here. Um, Saliba, the only one out of all of those who I believe is gonna is gonna come back and make a career here. The rest of them will all be let go. Uh, French question from Pedro, who says, "Would you keep Lacazette and sell Aubameyang, making room for Martinelli on the left?" Um, you know, if we can sell Aubameyang for like a reasonable fee, and we can do that, I I think it's probably a more reasonable option for the type of team that Arteta's trying to build. Uh, because I do think he offers that. I really don't think it is an option because of the wages we've given him where he is in his contract. But if we could do it reasonably, um, yeah, I'd rather sell both of them, to be honest. But there you go. Uh, wow. We, I didn't have to what is the minimum fee speech? that you would accept for Aubameyang, <laughs> assuming that we get his wages off our our wage bill? Like, like I was, I was talking about this on Hugh's show yesterday. Um, and in the chat box, people were stunned when I said that I think we'd be lucky to get 30 mil for Aubameyang at this. Actually, what we said was is that I said we'd be lucky if we got Pepe's transfer fee back on him, Aubameyang and Lacazette. I, I think we'd be lucky to get 72 million for those three. Well, well, but what what I'm what I'm saying though is a bit. It's kind of looking at it from the other way. If someone offered X amount, at what point are you saying that's too low? I'm not selling him. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Oh, that's a good question. So, so you're saying like, if someone came in with 10 million, am I going to say no to that? If someone comes in with 50 million, 10 million, and we get them off your wage bill. Oh, I, th I think I'd say no. Um, so what's the what's the what's the crossover number then? I I, I want to, I'd love to hear your good own question view. chat box as well. I'd love to know your thoughts. It's a really good question from Mike. What is the minimum that someone would come in for a Bamiang to offer that you would have to say? You know what? Yeah, I would I would let him go. Tell me what you said. I reckon somebody would have come back and go just have him. <laughs> so which is crazy considering how good he has been for us. Well, but 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 put it this way: if someone had had come in with a bid for him and, and we don't know that they didn't but come in with a bid for him you know a month before he re-signed his contract um without that bid we get nothing theoretically or we have to pay him wages so i mean i i i, I wouldn't think it would be 50 million 40 million in my mind the minimum i would accept if someone said we're giving you this we're giving it to you right now before this you know at the early part of the summer and you don't have to pay him wages that might be a bit inflated considering the way things are going. I might consider 15 million. Before Why? that, it's almost like you can't sell an Aubameyang for under 15 million who's under contract for two more years. But That's at that level, it's more about the sell. You know, you're getting you're getting another 15 million a year or or 12 million a year off of your wage bill at that point. If we so, could get 15 or 20 million, 15 to 20 million cash. Up front, none of this over five years lack. 15 million cash, 20 million cash. I'd let him go, yeah. So, so, the, so the way that the, the, the their, their cash flow ex affects you personally, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting myself in Mr. Cronky shoes there, but our, I think 15, 20 million ca a cash deal is a good deal. But I don't think fifteen million over four or five years is a, is a good deal. Now, now listen to to, to those in the chat who are 
I am not evaluating the player's worth at fifteen million. This guy's uh, mad. Let's make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if someone had offered, I mean, I, I'm I'm anticipating that we may 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 be entering a situation, and I've been backing Aubameyang's quality and skill. I've been backing him to come back from from whatever struggles he's had and say, you know, I, I've been backing him, but I'm also starting to see some very concerning signs, one of which is he did not have the flu this weekend. So, um, you know, when you start seeing flus, it worries me. So I'm also looking at, you know, 30 million to 35 million pounds in wages being spent over the next two years on a guy who can only be maintaining quality or declining. He's not going to be improving. That's the yeah. bigger part of it to me. So, you know, if someone had offered 15 million for Ozil a year ago, I would have said that's great. I'm not saying Ozil's a 15 million pound player. I'm not saying he's worse than Rion Brewster just because the sales price would be lower. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, 15 million and the getting rid of the the wages and getting a do over on that to me, you might you might take that if that you money could be better. Well, I don't know who that felt insane though after he just literally won us the FA Cup pretty much by himself. Like 50 million would have just felt insane. Like I get what you're saying from a purely numbers standpoint, but like from a kind of emotional club brand, like uh, fan base, like it, it just looks a bit mad. 15 million, and the, the reality is, we know he has it in him. He's had a terrible season, but he is a clutch player, and he could. You know, I'm not saying that he will, but if there's anyone who's going to lead us to a trophy this season, I don't think it's going to be anyone but him. I think. Well, we and it's and, and it's. It's only a, a few weeks ago I was basically saying word for word what you were saying with all of the you know but but that that said no I get you know, your point from if, if I'm putting my optimal lineup out for the next nine or ten mm -hmm. games at this moment it does not include a bombing and so if that's you. the case you have to consider whether you're whether you're you see, know I turning see. down an offer to get out of the contract or not I still okay. on the back nine as a footballer do you, do, are we using the o, o word now as a comparative are we saying that uh, not, yet. Yet. not yet <laughs> not yet but young like we said i mean uh, okay go on sorry it, it's, oh, this is too good i can't swap you all quick enough <laughs> we're we're you know when, when ozil was missing games uh, you know uh, games in the midlands and, oh, yeah. and <laughs> there we go when he was missing <laughs> games that he just didn't want to play and we all knew that he just wasn't up for it and he, there was fake back injuries and illnesses and that sort of thing. At the beginning of that, we were like, what the heck is going on? We weren't, you know, he weren't looking at him in the way that we looked at it, you know, in the last six to 12 months. So I have fears about it. It is not the same situation yet. And, you know, Aubameyang, his performances have been generally better than Ozil's were during yeah. the time that he was playing. But, you know, I just, I think there's a risk of that. And if someone comes in offering fifteen and 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 a complete wipeout of his of his salary, and we can put that into a younger, maybe an Edward or maybe Balogun gets a chance, and we put that money into Basuma, those are the kind of things I'm thinking of. And you know, if if, if Aubameyang goes off and scores thirty goals for, you know, Marseille next year or whatever team buys him, not Marseille, but if a team buys him for that and does, has a great season, we can look back and say whatever. But he's thirty two years old. How many times do we have to keep doing this? Get younger, get leaner, get better wages, and and you know, I, if we keep him, I back him, and I and I think he's not seen. We've not seen the last of him yet, but you know, to say that he that you know that I'm mad for 15 million, it's 50, it's 45 million you'd be getting for him 
over the next three years when you consider the salary saving. And that can be reinvested into somebody that we need. Remember, Mike, he's 31 till he turns 32. Just, just Maybe. Well, I don't know. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? It's how it works. So I'm telling you, I've heard it from a good source. That's... There's got to be like sure. a we, we have to say there is an element of um, kind of recency bias with, with this as well. Like since he arrived at the club, he has been phenomenal until this season. And everyone was saying we get relegated without Aubameyang's goals a couple of seasons ago. And Zimbabwean stopped scoring goals and we look like we're not far away, right? And the whole team was playing bad. So there is, I don't know, I think... Um, French, do you do you pay a contract for, for what's to come or what's happened already? Mm. Well, the thing is, we can't retroactively... Well, <laughs> we've already paid the contract. We can't, like you said, if, if we could retroactively say, oh, you know, after having seen this season, now we would say, yeah, give him the uh, 15 million for him, whatever, that's okay. But in reality, now that we've kind of given him the money it's kind of um well that's why the perfect the perfect contracts in any sport or you know would be performance based purely and and you know players and agents will never and unions here in the u.s i mean they'll never go for that so i, I, I agree with and i agree with you on a level and the, the, the other issue there it comes back to what i was mentioning before about our use of him and our use of him as a resource we also haven't tried to use him as well as a lot of people would say we should i.e as a number nine playing uh, you know optimized to his play getting him running in behind there's runs that he just doesn't make anymore that he made when he came to this club because he realized he wasn't getting the passes and that's got to be on the coaching you know he was under two different coaches prior to that and down to the kind of players that we have in their ability um and so there's a you know they're saying that classes um was it form is temporary classes permanent mm. I think you can definitely say he's had a bad form. I don't think this is the cliff and he's fallen and he can't he's not gonna score goals again for us if we play well. So I don't that, either. And and Tom, if you could put up Pavel's uh comment, uh I, I don't think that he's fallen off the cliff, but as but and and, and I was back I was backing Aubameyang hundred percent like that about his form a few weeks, you know, ago, even you know, before he hit his good patch of form that that kind of happened after he came back from his mother's situation. That's the issue. What Pavel's talking about uh, is 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 what is what starts to concern me because if he's if he's at all, and I know that we don't know this yet. We we know he was late. That's all we know. But I get the sense that there's a little bit more simmering under the surface there. There's starting to become a little bit more. I don't know that to be true. I'll have to ask the gerbil, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it, when it that just to, just to speculate on that point though, I think there is an element of he wanted to go last summer. He wanted to move somewhere else where he could compete more. I don't I don't think anyone in the pandemic situation came forward with an offer for Aubameyang at all, if any. And he signed that deal because effectively it was all that was on the table, and it was a significant pay rise for him. And troops and no, told him to. And yeah, and, and there, there, and he was on the and we, and we offered it to him, right? We we kind of yeah. said we want you on X amount of money, knowing your age, knowing the average age curves for players, mm. and so there has to be we an tied up to his ego with the legend thing as well. Yeah, yeah, we said yeah, you're gonna be legend, da, 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 like we'll reveal you with a with a mask on the table. We'll make it look real cool, don't worry. So, so let me just put a caveat by my statement that it, you know, if there's any truth to a growing rift or attitude issues and i drew's not here but if he was i'm sure he would say you know this is kind of his mo this has <laughs> happened before if there's any truth to that 
we need to get out ahead of these situations instead of waiting two years too long like we did with Mezzarozo. Yeah. Again, not comparing them, just saying this guy's older than Ozil was when, when Ozil's issues started. He's, you know, he's got a larger impact, positive or negative, on us. So it's better to start to reload, and, and it's the contract. Uh, you know, we, we've just re-signed him. If that increased his value from zero, walking away on a free, to 15 and getting out of the wages that we've now committed to him because we see a storm coming, that's why I'm doing no, it. Not because yeah, he's a 15 million pound player who can't yeah, score. Yeah. That's not the reason. I completely understand the, the, the hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, I completely get it. Well, that was a great question. Go it was a really good question. Um, and we've got now 15 more minutes to, to go through some more. Uh, so <laughs> um, let's go to Wayne for Josh Hunter, who says, do you think El Nenny should start next to Partey with Xhaka likely to play at left back again on Thursday? Uh, no, I, I'd probably put Sabayas back in there just because... He, if he's if he played it if he played well, you gotta give him a bit of credit and stick him back in there. And then he is a bum. Um I have no no time for Elneny at all. Um I, I genuinely don't. I, I, I don't rate the guy one one bit. I think I don't I don't think he brings anything to the table by the odd twenty five yard fluke. But he genuinely doesn't contribute to real passages of play. Not a player that's gonna get players around him playing football. Uh, he just runs around like a headless chicken half the time, picks up a ball here or there, and he contributes little or nothing to the overall picture of what you're trying to achieve as a football team. So, no, I would not play El Nenny. I'd play Sabayas in there. Even though I'm not a big Sabayas fan, he's better than El Nenny, that's for sure. Mm, I agree with you, um, and I would sell El Nenny if you were giving me... I mean, we're talking about Aubameyang's fee. I mean, I'd, I'd pretty much just hand you El Nenny at this point. Um, Matt G, uh, Mike says, do you think Arsenal fans took consistently getting top four and playing Champions League football for granted? Yes. That was easy. I'll give you another one. Uh, this is quite funny from Yo-Yo. Do you think if the injured Louise is given an extension that he'll likely be groomed to succeed Arteta as manager? Yeah, I, I, I... <laughs> Apparently, grooming means something different over there than it does over here. But um, <laughs> it does I, uh, have more than one meaning, Mike. Yes. <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> David Luiz, the injured David Luiz should not be given an extension. Uh, so if he is, uh, and then is groomed to succeed Arteta, I think I might have. Would to, you give him an extension anyway? Um, there's a such there's there's so many arguments for and against that. I would not. At this point, but I wouldn't. I, unlike the way I felt earlier this season, and again, this goes to more off the field, uh, off the pitch stuff than on the pitch stuff. I, I, I wouldn't argue if they did. Um, mm. But I don't. I think we need to move on and move up. We've got enough, you know, between Mavropana, Saliba, Chambers, um, maybe bringing another guy in. I, I, I think we need to get younger there. Uh, French Peter Renner says, would you try and use players in deals to try and bring in some players we need for next season, such as Nketiah maybe plus cash for Eduard or a Willock and Ainsley Maitland-Niles plus cash for a Basuma type deal? Yeah, I think that's going to be um, a big facet of a lot of deals. I don't know if it'll be a part of ours. Um, I think we are being a bit smarter in the transfer market, to be honest. So, yeah, who knows? Um, obviously, with the kind of COVID market, a lot of clubs aren't going to have money. Um, everyone's going to be wanting to get rid of players for cash, but obviously not everyone's going to be able to buy players. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a situation where people are going to have to figure out swap deals and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I can see it happening. 
Um, let's go and scroll down. Uh, Wayne uh, Javier says, uh, now with Balogun rumoured to extend his contract, do you guys believe he will be the next guy to star next season, like Martinelli, Millsmith, or Saka, or do you think he's just an asset we can sell in the future? Or I'll add a third option. Do you think it might be beyond next season in which we see him burst onto the scene? Been waiting on this one. Been waiting on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous you got this one. We'll go yeah. through everyone's thoughts. <laughs> Allegan is the kid. He is the man. That's the one. I'm telling you. We have is all these. One like Luzhny was the one. No, no, no. You can't spell Belanda or without Belligan. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe it. Sometimes I stick, in there. I stick my neck out. I stick my neck out here or there um one of the last ones i stuck my neck out was it was a young lad a young celtic left full from a, a young lad uh, called kieran tierney when he was playing for celtic i stuck my neck out on him said he'd be a top top player we get him for quite cheap walked out well i do believe that this young i'm glad Valley you was- stuck your neck out because when he sticks his neck out he gets hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks mate. we signed a glass <laughs> This is the kid, this is the one great fullback, but anyway, Balogun is for me. Um, I've watched him a, a good few times now, even when I can stream another 23s match, he's just so good. Um, 20 years of age, yeah, granted. I think you'll see this kid accelerate into the first team in the next season, and if it takes a season for him to get what maybe Martinelli's getting this year, those. 20 minutes here, uh, the odd start, League Cup, the odd Europa League. I'm happy enough to do that, but I do believe that when the time comes that Aubameyang is shafted out, I don't think we're going to have to reinvest any of that Aubameyang money in a striker because we're going to have one ready-made right there. I'm going to put my neck on the block and say, this kid is not a future sellable asset. Unless Madrid come in with 150 million or something, one of those bonkers ones down the line that you can't, you can't refuse, the player wants to go or something, but He's not going to be one of these, um, and then Ketia, that way, where Eddie will go for 20 million to Norwich next year or Newcastle or West Ham or something like that. That's that's kind of Ed, where Eddie's at, and that's where a lot of you players do end up. But I think there is a, I think Aziz and Balogun are the two that will probably make make it into that first team alongside Saka and Mills, which wrote these boys. I think those two boys are gonna are gonna be in there next year for sure. There's other lads from the twenty trees, Ben Cottrell, a few of these lads, they're they're the sellable assets. He even though Cottrell's the captain, he still will probably end up a you know a, a Charlton or something like that, you know. Okay. Uh, don't, don't downplay Charlton, the missus will have yeah, it. Balligan, yeah, hundred percent. He is gonna be a first team football player for Arsenal very, very quickly. Mm. I'd be interested to see, to be fair, if, if next season maybe there is a, a loan just because if, say, you've got Lacazette and Aubameyang and they do end up staying and, and you've got that option there or whether he does become kind of the Inketia that has been this season where he's on the bench and he comes and gets opportunities. And I'd be genuinely human. I, I would prefer him to do... <laughs> get some minutes in the team with a good... good uh, You know, to get, to get used to this because he's going to be... He's going to be a top player, like you know. And I just don't want him to go on loan and suffer. I want it to be, you know, just brought in nicely under. If I, if Arteta wants to get himself a reputation of being a top manager, he has to be able to produce a player like uh, Balogun the way Wenger produced Henri. He has to. He has to be the one to take him under his wing. 
Fuck this lounge shit. Um, Mike, do you want to add anything? Because I know that you were jealous about the Balogun situation. Well, as you know, I I was right about Edina Katia uh, not being good enough. <laughs> but oh, I'm also right that. about Balogun. Balogun, it, <laughs> Balogun between December of 2022 and May of 2023 is going to win five trophies. Four of them for Arsenal. It's going to win the uh, the. Oh, the league. I'm just checking there for Arsenal. Is it? <laughs> no, yeah, League Cup, FA Cup, Premier League, and Champions League final. Uh, and then in December of 22, he's going to win the World Cup for the U.S. So that it's come, it's coming home. No, um, he's I, he's my next project. I mean, imagine Martinelli, Balogun, and Saka with. ESR and Odegaard kind of switching in there. Pepe coming in for their, you know. I mean, seriously, this is. I'm just thinking about what you said. Imagine when we had Saka, Martinelli, and Enketia. <laughs> oh, the chosen one. The cho- oh, <laughs> oh, you're know. so silly. How could you put faith? How could you say that Enketia is not going to make it? I oh. on the on the same yeah on the on the same token, I think I have just ruined Balogun's career. Yeah, I was going to say you've by taking him under my wing, uh, <laughs> he, he will now be a failure. But. Um, I'm, I couldn't be more excited if this rumor is true. I need them to announce it. Um, and then next season, I, I, you know, when we see him appear on the bench, like, like, like Aziz is in the last couple of games of the season, I'm going to really, really start to get excited. Uh, I, yeah, I really hope we do see him get some opportunities in games that are inevitably could be dead by the end of the season. So I, I am interested to see that. French, anything to add on, on Balogun or would you like a, a new question? Um, yeah, nothing really. I guess for me, I, I kind of um, want to temper my expectations of him a little bit, um, just because I think it's interesting. I Ketia outscored him at this level, right? And we you were worried about him, and then you know it's not really worked out. I'm not saying Balogun's the same kind of player. I think he's physically more ready for this kind of football. I think he looks more like a man, and he kind of adds qualities that we need. He plays like a Lacazette does. He, he can have his back to the goal. He's a whole. He's got the hold up. Nketi is purely just about being in the right place at the right time, and he he was good at it. That's why I thought he'd succeed. I thought we had enough players to get Nketi of the, you know, the ball in the right place at the right time, but. Uh, I, just, I know how our fan base can be. I could see us having crazy high expectations. He, you know, has a couple of months of bad form, and then all of a sudden he's going to be flop this or that. So I think with young players, it's always good to temper expectations because Saka's an absolute freak of nature. If we're completely honest, with his consistency, I mean, the level is one thing that he can reach, but the the fact that even when he drops stinkers, he's the best player on the pitch. That's not usually how it works out. So I just want to temper expectations a little bit with him. Maybe but, that's why players like Thomas Suchek succeed so much when they go to a club like West Ham, especially when there's no supporters in the stadium. Because if he came here, it would have been, you know, the social media would have been on. It would have been like, like yeah. young players coming through and unknown signings from abroad. Just They're starting 10 feet in the hole because of our fans. It, it really does take something special to actually succeed through that. Yeah, yeah, it's really tough for a youngster to come through and succeed as well. And and Arsenal, I mean, we look at the look back at the last decade. Arsenal have been more successful, arguably now. Arsenal have got a lot more exciting youth. I mean, I never was excited about like Alex Owobi as I am about. 
Balogun and Martinelli and Saka and that coming through. And even though Iwobi got a really good transfer fee and, and, and did put on some decent performances for us, I never had that same expectation on him. I never thought he would reach the levels that we, we are hoping that the likes of Saka and, and Martinelli and, and Balogun maybe now can too. So it, it is really great to see these these youngsters come through. And, and Didn't get you say Gideon Zeltman was going to be like our next statue outside the Emirates? Plenty of people did. That we thought he was going to be. You were the really, same really age as him, right? I don't know how old is how old is he now? <laughs> I think he's twenty two. Oh yeah, so, so yeah, he's older than me. <laughs> twenty four. Jesus Christ, he's actually only two years younger than me. That's crazy. Oh dear, wow. You know, he's twenty four and two times twenty five. Go on, Wayne. Um, one thing I thought was going to really make it. Um, I actually saw. I think it was a Wobby's debut. And Jeff Rene Adelaide played um, against Sunderland. I was at the match, uh, Sunderland, the FA Cup. And Jeff Rene Adelaide played really well. And I'd seen him a few times up to that. I thought he was just so elegant, just a great footballer. But whatever about his, his attitude, he, he seemed to just let go. And he's turned out a good footballer, to be honest with you. And I thought there was more in him. And it's just a pity that he didn't kind of stay and develop here. Um, I thought I was thought I always thought Rene Adelaide was a better footballer than Iwobi because they came through at the same time, but um, Iwobi got more chances obviously in the end and ended up going for forty odd million to 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 Everton. But uh, I kind of I rue that one. I think that was one that got away. You know, if we had a held on to. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's certainly one that you look at and say. He went to Lyon after going to Angers, I think it was, and and and. They sold him for like 20 odd million quids. And again, it's one of those you put on the list of players that Arsenal have let go Ganabri and Banasha and Marlon and all of these guys that have gone on to do really good things. And, and you, but I always kind of say that for every one of those, there's a good five to 10 kids that we let go for nothing and have gone on to do nothing. So it, yeah. it is a kind of law of averages, I suppose, when it comes to these kind of things. So yeah, I'm not too concerned about where Jeff is. I think Jeff's now at Wren and, and not particularly pulling up trees anymore. So it's, you know, you never know what's going to happen with these guys. Um, so there you go. Thank you, Mike. Um, last, there was a, one more question um, that I wanted to tackle because we, we talk about this sort of stuff quite a lot. I've lost the question. Um, but uh, <laughs> Michelle in the chat uh, put in a question that says, um, do we agree that anyone who backs Arteta is delusional <laughs> and i like tackling these questions um because one i think that one of the things that we always talk about on the show and i can see that french is getting himself ready to, to tackle this he's letting his hair down um, <laughs> um when we talk about this kind of stuff on the show we always talk about the openness for the opposite view and for the other side of things and having a different opinion we on the show often disagree about certain things um, and you saw a difference of opinion at the start of the show by talking about kind of the, the players that were open to seeing and and, and Martinelli coming in. Is that a, a lucky streak for Arteta? Is it him picking it? What way do we perceive that? And the point is, is that we're talking about the fact that we need to be open to seeing what other people have to say in their opinions because you actually end up learning things yourself. Um, and And that's the problem is that I think that you need to be open to seeing other people's opinions. And by calling someone deluded for having a different view or for having a different view to you, it's a little bit pathetic. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. But uh, French, I'm going to let you go to gold on, on this one as well, because I know that you have certain feelings about uh, people having opposite views. Um, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, I assume I assume he's taking the piss. I assume he's not. He's not. He doesn't really think that's deluded. If he does, then like I don't know. It's not a great grasp of critical thought. But um, fair play to him. He's got his opinion, and that's all right. Um, for me, yeah, I, I tried to 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 make the point earlier that I do think you can have valid stances, certainly on both sides. I mean, I'm I'm on the side of um, wanting to see what he can do with more resources. I know he's a great coach. I think he can learn to be a better man manager. Like he's, we we said, we we need him to work out. To be honest, but um, but yeah, I, I do understand um, the, the 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 other side. I do think, yeah, it's sort of, you know, what, what the young kids call toxic, isn't it? Uh, to suggest that you can only have one view and anything else is completely wrong. And if you change your mind, by the way, you're a flip-flop. You're not allowed to change your mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just... Mike loves that term. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's just kind of a kind of hyper-reactionary um, state of, of some of the kind of platforms that, that get used. I don't think most people are like this in real life. Um, I think even the fellow who wrote that in real life, he's not going to call any of us delusional to our face. And it's just kind of the the fake world that gets created online where everything's amplified, especially the, the sort of loudest kind of twat, as it were. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think I think it's important to yeah acknowledge that both sides have valid points and um, it's okay. Yeah, you can agree and you can both be Arsenal fans who, who want the best for the club. And um, yeah, I think that's the, the, the crucial thing. Otherwise, it starts getting a bit, as they say, toxic. Fair enough. Mike, anything to end the show on? Uh, promotionally or just silly? It, this, yes, I'm letting you say bye. So uh, how would you like to end the show, son? Well, I certainly appreciate you having me on again, uh, my good friend. Um, and um, you can catch the Gooners podcast. We're doing some uh, some some new content. We're doing post-game open mic shows. So uh, after the games on Thursdays, hopefully beyond this Thursday and and uh, and Sundays, you can uh, you can go over to the Gooners Pod, go to GoonerOpenMike.com, and uh, and enter the studio and give your own thoughts on camera. Uh, we've got about six or seven people rotating uh, every week and doing that. It's been pretty fun. Kev Campbell joined us one time and made made a few people's that days by being on camera with him and. <laughs> The reaction that was so good. Yeah, that yeah, that was fun for for Aston and for the others. And yeah, well, there might be some other surprises down the pike. No promises, but uh, try to keep it interesting. So again, if you're in the chat and you uh, you want to give your opinion and you're brave enough to to get on for five minutes, ten minutes, uh, just go to GoonerOpenMike.com. It's an hour after every game, so that you can watch Tom's instant reactions and 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 any other content that you want to watch after that's over. So. Uh, We'll be having a show tomorrow night at 10 p.m. UK with uh, JJ Garcia and Lee Judges. Uh, JJ's making his debut on the pod, but uh, anyway, we just enjoy talking Arsenal and having some fun, and uh, and we've done that tonight for an hour and a half. So thanks, Tom. Absolutely no problem. As Mike said, you can find them at the Gooners Pod himself, Andy, when he you know bothers to turn up, and and Ian, of course, our good friend Ian, who's, who's always there, and uh, we miss him. We need to see him back. Don't, don't forget Mikey Junior. Oh, yes, of course, Hurts. Who, I thought you sacked him because he came last in the, the quiz. I thought he got sacked. No, that, no, he's still, uh, he's, he's still holding on to the job with the skin of his teeth. <laughs> we, can't, we can't sack him because of the, um, you know, we'll get sued for discrimination. So. <laughs> true, true. I mean, we, after the whole how many kids comment, I, I, just, <laughs> I don't think I've ever got over that. Well, that yeah, wasn't yeah. that wasn't a, that wasn't an ethnic thing. That was because he's repeatedly told us that he's had kids to our podcast. Like, like he's he's wow. consummated. Like, like he's 
birthed kids and and created them during our podcast and we've done a lot of podcasts so we just assume he's got a lot of kids well that's fair enough fair enough french always a pleasure mate yeah man thanks for having me back on everyone watching thanks for for tuning in appreciate your comments make sure you get the likes up man for the green screen look at that it's bloody <laughs> worth it <laughs> I mean, I, I, I admired Mike's attempt at a green screen earlier in the show. I thought, I thought it was excellent to see him gradually fade into the 89. That's probably <laughs> responsible for the five thumbs downs that you got during the show. <laughs> yeah, that, that or when, you know, French tells people that <laughs> I could do one. <laughs> Deary me. Uh, and finally, it's always a pleasure to back one of my TGT OGs. Wayne, how you doing, mate? I'm glad you're doing well uh, and seeing you on the show again and uh, i'm sure we'll see you back again very soon as well is that is that um a bruised banana vibe on the green screen going around is it is what's that? that on your green screen is that like the bruised banana kind of yes yeah is it? Oh, oh hold on that's just you hold on there we go there it's you the go blue, it's the bruised banana Blue, blues banana, yeah. Blues, yeah. But, well, to be fair, Mike Hernando said that it's a little bit too, you know, on the other side, maybe. And I was thinking, well, maybe we'll have to throw a little bit of a yellow, I suppose. There, that, there we go. Maybe a oh, God, there, was a TV, there was a TV show here in the States in like 1983 where there was some guy with a background like that. I cannot remember the name of it now, but if anyone possibly remembers that, uh, tweet me. But the, it, it, it was a really, really bizarre thing, and so is this. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I think it's great. <laughs> You'll see plenty more because, of course, we haven't revealed the uh, the Let's Talk Arsenal or the All Reactions uh, graphics yet. That'll be coming. Let's Talk Arsenal will be tomorrow, uh, 5 p.m. I'm going to be joined by Harry Simeon to be talking about a lot of things uh, regarding Arsenal and looking ahead. And then on Wednesday, uh, another Let's Talk Arsenal show at 10.30am. I'm going to be joined by Andrew, a.k.a. Ask Blog, uh, in the morning to have a chat about things too. So really looking forward to that. Uh, there'll also be a preview for the Slavia Prague game, and then we'll be back here straight after the Slavia Prague game on Thursday. Um, and then after the hour, or however long we spend talking about that, you can then go and join Mike uh, on his open mic show uh, at the Gooners pod. So make sure you do that. Plenty of Arsenal stuff. And of course, this evening was full of Arsenal content. There's same old Arsenal, Highbury squads. And uh, and there's one more that's just completely gone out of my mind that was tonight, but I can't remember what it was. It felt really bad. Was it French? Turkish is doing his big six tonight, isn't he? Turkish's show as well. Of course, Turkish has been on here and uh, it's always yeah. a pleasure to chat to him too. So plenty of stuff. Um, <laughs> Max, what are you talking about Headroom, Mike? Max Headroom <laughs> was the name of the show that was that I was talking about. You, wait, go go Google, after the show, go Google Max Headroom and you will realize that you just actually ripped off another thing without realizing it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about something like, I'm disappearing and I've got enough Headroom on the screen. Oh, no, 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 the show... <laughs> The, the freaky futuristic show of this guy in front of a background like that was is called Max Headroom, and you got to everyone check it out. Yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, someone put that in the Discord server actually earlier on. <laughs> oh, so I, I see. See, I I, I copied yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. without realizing it. Yeah. You copied stuff with realizing. I love that Yonix thought of a better name for your show, the Open Mic Show. Um, oh yeah, now that that, that <laughs> that's been suggested a number of times, but I you know. Well, there you go. Well, thank you ever so much, people, for ch uh, tuning in, of course. If you have enjoyed it, then please make sure you do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, go give the guys a follow on their social medias. I mean, you can't really follow Wayne because he changes his pretty much every single day. Um, I mean, I put, a tweet out, and you couldn't. I put a tweet out this morning with his <laughs> handle, and he changed it. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to evade the cops. <laughs> 
You can find Wayne by searching Wayne on social media, and no other Wayne's come up. I promise. <laughs> that's that's just search Wayne. Oh, dude, you can find Fred, Jack French Guna 23, and of course, you can find Mike and the guys at the Gooners Pod or his own personal Twitter, which is it Guna in, in Mike? <laughs> no, no, it's Gooners Pod Mike. Ah, oh, there you go. It's Gooners Pod Mike. You can find I us at Gooners on TV, and you can find myself at Tom Cantor Media, and you can also find my written stuff at 101 Great Goals, in which there was actually a video interview on there today with myself and George, our social guy. So make sure you check that one out as well. We'll see you again tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'll be joined by Harry Simeu. I uh, look forward to having a chat with him, but I mean, that's been a pleasure. There you go, at Hleb Remontada on Twitter. Always loving the Hleb, repping the Hleb. Um, <laughs> Lovely stuff. We'll see you again very, very soon. It's been a pleasure to speak to you as always, and as always, of the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.